Hey there, Annie and Julie here. Now, before we dive into this episode, we wanted to give you a quick heads up. You see, we recorded this conversation a few months ago, and as you know, the world has changed quite a bit in that time. However, the principles and strategies that we talk about in this episode are still very valuable, so we wanted to be sure to share this conversation with you. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode. And I think just realizing you can you can do with a lot less. Like, I don't know if it's spare or what, but you just kind of get in this rat race where you're like, yeah, two cars. I mean, that's standard and so much square feet, so standard and private school and, you know, all these things like a full closet. I mean, it just, it becomes like we can't have experiences. So I'm just going to spend my money on all this other stuff that makes me feel good. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how are you? I'm doing good, Annie. Hey, I was going to ask you, how is your plans coming along for your summer travel? Are you guys all settled on that? You know what you're doing, where you're going? Yeah. 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 We're going to, um, we're doing another home exchange and we're going to spend about a month in Bordeaux, France. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've never been, I haven't been to France in like 20 years. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to go back and and show the kids. I think that's the coolest part of traveling as a family is is to really, whether you've been there before or not, but to re-experience it through the eyes of your kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so cool. And I know you guys do a lot of travel as well. And are you going to be spending your summer in Hawaii again? Yeah, yeah, we are. But, you know, I've been thinking about this more, especially after this this episode that we're about to dig into um, about you know, traveling outside of, of the U.S. and doing something that's a little bit more adventurous. It's been kind of hard over the last couple of years because my youngest was two and a half, I think. Um, yeah, he was two and a half at the time that we had gone over to Hawaii for the first time. And so it was just kind of hard, you know, with mm-hmm. for me anyway, it was. I know there's probably a lot of moms out there that can do it with like young kids in tow. But, um, but yeah, this this summer he'll be four and a half and by next summer he'll be five and a half. And, that, you know, he'll turn six over, over in July um, next summer. And so I think by that time I'll be ready to go, you know, adventure somewhere uh, farther and do international yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's the cool part about today's guest is, um, Jess Swenson used to be, she, I mean, she still does photography, but she, um, used to be a full-time professional photographer here in the San Francisco Bay area. Mm-hmm. And, um, a couple years ago now, she and her husband decided to, um, just leave everything in suburban life and take their kids on a year long uh, journey around the world. And mm-hmm. they've been to all sorts of crazy places. They've been to Thailand and Bali and Australia and Africa, France, Finland. I mean, they've been so many cool places. Yeah. And they did something called world schooling along the way, which she gets into a little bit in this episode. Yeah, it was so awesome to be able to sit down with her and just pick her brain because I have wanted to do this since, gosh, I don't even know how long since I got into real estate. One of the things I've always 
I said I wanted to do was travel the world with my kids. And so it was just really cool to get all her tips and tricks and like, how did she do this? Because I think it's just like when people think about getting into real estate, it's like such a daunting thing. It's like, you don't know where to start. Who do you talk to? What resources? Like, how do you know you don't make a mistake and get yourself into trouble? And similarly, how do you make sure you don't go to the wrong country and get stuck in a bad situation? And, you know, how do you, you know, how to in health insurance, education, and, you know, all investments that you need to make to help fund everything that you you're doing. So it was a really fun episode to, um, you know, get to just pick her brain about all of this. And uh, it was a good one. Absolutely. So whether you're, for our listeners out there, whether you're thinking about, you know, a smaller trip with your kids, or you're thinking about taking a much longer journey around the world as Jess did, there's going to be some really good tips and resources that Jess shares in this conversation. So here it is, our conversation with Jess Swenson of Let's Adventure More. Jess, how are you? Great. Fantastic. (laughs) Good. Well, now, Jess, I have to tell this story because the very first time I met you in person, I was in labor. Active labor. (laughs) Active labor. And there aren't very many people I can say that about. Now, so for for all our (laughs) listeners out there... Jess was our birth photographer for the birth of our younger son, which is why the first time I met her in person, it was four o'clock in the morning and I was breathing really hard. (laughs) We then went on to have annual family portraits taken with Jess. And I remember this one time, Jess, you asked me completely randomly, it seemed, about my experience getting a visa to go to China. China. Mm -hmm. And I remember you said that you and your husband were thinking about going and taking your three kids. And I thought, "Uh uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) They're like casually thinking about it. You know, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't. But then you actually went and you did it. And not just China, but you went to Thailand and Bali and Australia and South Africa and France and Finland, the UK, and the list goes on and on and on. And you all took this epic year-long trip around the world with your three kids, and you've been continuing to travel ever since. And I've been in complete awe of you every step of the way, so inspired by all that you're doing. Um, which is why we are so excited to have you here for this conversation. But to start, you know, take us back to the beginning, back when you were living the suburban mom life here in California. You know, what led you and your husband to say, you know, okay, let's let's pack up our stuff and become full time travelers with our three kids. <laughs> yeah, that's and it's so funny because I think you're the first person I like verbally told that I, before we told my parents, even like, I was like, we, and I, it's just like, the more that you talk about things, the more you really do have to put weight behind your words, right? The action. So that was like a turning point. I still remember that as well because it was for us to a turning point. So yeah, in 2017, we had been living in the Bay area for almost 10 married years and had three kids. I had a thriving photography business and my husband was working for a startup in Pleasanton and kind of the stuff hit the fan and we had a series of heartbreaks and life realignments, things that were coming to an end that really just felt epic to us. His mom passed away from cancer and it was very quick and 
very hard on the family. And then his business was moving to Sacramento and we didn't really want to relocate to continue that. So just, there was a lot of endings. And so through that, I was like, Hey, like we've always talked about doing things like RVing through the U S or taking an extended trip to Europe. Why don't we try some of this stuff? So I had listened to a podcast of a family who had done a trip around the world. And they said, wow, it's possible to travel internationally with your family. And we had never done it before, but I was like, let's do it. So we did a trial run to England because, you know, soft landing, same-ish language. And it went well and great. And through kind of those trials and tribulations, we tried to make lemonade out of lemons, essentially. So you went on this trip to England. How long was the trip? It was 10, 10-ish days, two and a half weeks. 10 days. Mm-hmm. And did you, I mean, what about that trip? Was it the way you took the trip or the length of the trip? What about it led you to say, okay, we can now do this full time? Yes. So we went and we kind of did the touristy thing, but then we also, um, it was our first international experience house sitting for somebody. So we met with the family, an English family in the English countryside and house sat for their family for, I think it was maybe that period was 10 weeks and the whole thing was two and a half weeks. And it was just lovely. We lived like locals in an English setting and it was just so idyllic. And they had neighbor kids that our kids played with and they had a trampoline and they had chickens. We had fresh eggs every morning. So I think it was like, hey, we we could do this and this could work well. And our kids adapted and certainly there was trial. I mean, jet lag and all of that. And you still have to parent, even if you're in another country, but it just worked really well for our family. And it just ignited a fire of possibility. How did you guys find that house sitting opportunity? Because I think I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, thinking that all sounds great, but I don't even know anyone who lives in England and how, and even if I did, I don't know that they'd let me come and move in their house. So how did you figure out that arrangement? So there's a website much like Annie used for home exchange. So there's a house sitting website, which I'm sure we'll share in the notes after that we use just for listings. And we have a profile on there similar to Airbnb. Every time we house it, we have owners that will review us on the website Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. they just listing. So honestly, like it's great for people who have pets and people who want to travel internationally because the homeowners can just list their dates and then someone will come and watch their pets for free. And then we get to stay there for free in exchange for our services of watching their pets in their home. And it's just a, a yearly subscription, which I think is similar to home exchange, right, Annie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just pay like yeah. 90 bucks for the year, which is cheaper yeah. than one night of hotel. So mm-hmm. even if you just do one house it or list one, one vacation time for you, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so it's just very inexpensive. And then you do get like a global experience because you often... Like we still have friends from the website that will come back and we'll house it again this year. So it's it's a global community, really. What yeah. What's the name of that site? Uh, it's tr- Trusted House Sitters. And I have a link that we share that, you know, those who use the link can get a reduction in their subscription. And then we get a little kickback, a couple of free months, which is great for us because that's essentially how we are able to travel full time. Okay. Nice. Well, we'll definitely have that link in the show notes for everyone who's listening. Okay. So you're on this first house sit in the UK. So they had all kinds of animals, right? You mentioned like chickens and some sheep sheep. and a dog (laughs) and outdoor cats. (laughs) So did you meet them? Did they give you like a, a, like a, 
the directions for what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. So we have lunch together, which is usually what we do. We like to meet the homeowners because you do build a relationship with them and you communicate while they're gone and send pictures and videos. And, and they're also kind of your lifeline. If you're in a country that you're not familiar with, like we've had to ask, where would you recommend going to a hospital or an urgent care? And so it's nice to have kind of a local connection, even if they're on vacation, they're usually really available or they can help you meet the neighbors. So, which, which we did there as well. So they had a little boy who was the same age as our two. And so they played for a lot of our house sit and it was quite lovely. (laughs) Wow. So you did this first one Mm -hmm. and then you graduated to the big leagues, so to speak. And you did not just one house sit, (laughs) but then you continue to do, I mean, how many was it? Dozens that you did over the, the next year? Yes. Yeah. Actually, when we were in England, we were confirmed for an Australian house sit through like the year that I had planned. And we hadn't actually confirmed together as a couple that we were going to be doing this. So I was like, oh, well, at least we're going to go to Australia in December, honey. Like she said, (laughs) yes. So I think that kind of gave us confidence and having that first review international because that homeowner reviewed us and um, having a confirmation through Australia. We house that in Australia and South Africa. And then when we, once we get into Europe, there was like the last six months of our year trip. We pretty much bounced from house it to house it because it is so expensive in Europe that really we loved having the free accommodations. And we really appreciated being in one location for a longer period of time. So it kind of morphed from, hey, it kind of feels like we're on vacation. We're having this epic year to... No, like we do really like rhythms, you know, we do really like to have downtime. And also by that time, we're like, we really love this. We want to kind of morph this into a lifestyle and, you know, someone's going to need to work (laughs) eventually. Uh, So we, we did slow down in Europe and kind of took time and we're in one, you know, one spot, maybe three weeks or a month because over there they take lovely holiday breaks compared to Americans. So I'm just curious, how do you piece all of this together? Like, did you piece it all together ahead of time? Or, you know, did you, when you set out and you said, okay, we're going to do a year, how did you plan all of this? Because I'm such a planner. And if I don't, (laughs) and if I don't know where I'm going in two months, I'm going to totally freak out. Um, So I need to know that like, you know, on February 14th at 7 a.m., we're getting up to go on this flight. And then, you know, April 7th at 11 p.m., we have a flight here. So how did you do all of that? And is is it possible? So this is my old school, they call it a diary uh-huh. in the UK. And it's just, it's literally like I map out our month and I even each day I put how much we have paid for accommodations. I have like flight costs in here. I have flight information. I like cross out when something has happened. I have notes. So I'm very much organized as far as like schedules go. For our year, it was very much now looking back, it's kind of almost like an isolated event for us because our lifestyle is so different or not so different, but it has changed a little bit. But I had used for our year, because I imagined when we left that we were just going to come back to the Bay Area and pick up life as we knew it. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously that changed, but that year I used, there's a, it's like a, it's not a travel agency, but they use it just for flights. And so I had kind of pieced out our flights. And so I booked it like three months of flights 
in one category and then like three months of flights in another. And then I figured once we were in Europe, we could kind of figure it out on our own. So I used, it's called Air Trucks and they specialize in multi-fare trips, almost like trips around the world or loop trips. And so they're very helpful because I sat and kind of pieced it together myself and figured out the price. And then I talked to one of their agents and he actually got it under the price that I had found if I had just DIY'd it myself. Mm-hmm. So I kind of used a framework because I'm like you, I'm definitely type A. I like to know where we're going. I like to have structure. So I did that. Some people though, they may just be like, oh, I'm just going to wing it as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to get decision fatigue. Yeah. So I figured if I had this structure of flights to work around, then I could kind of figure out like the hotels and cities we want to be in and public transportation and stuff like that. And so you planned out the whole year, like, no, oh, okay. no, it was like three months. Okay. Sections. Like I, yeah, it was like, I kind of had a, an idea of like when we would be in Europe and when we would be in Australia. And then I kind of fit things in, in between when we did our year, we traveled and followed the sun. So we were almost in warm climates pretty much the entire time, which helped with packing. Mm. And so I kind of allowed that to kind of be our guide. And then I looked at, you know, like we could have gone to Japan, but it was too expensive. So, you know, we hung out in Southeast Asia and picked Australia instead, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I did some research to figure out what countries we would focus on for that year. And are the countries that you went to, like, did you do research ahead of time where like to find out if they're kid friendly or not? Because that's like a big objection that I get from my husband is like, are you crazy? We're not, you're not going with the three kids by yourself to Thailand. It's, it's nuts there. It's like third world country. I'm like, what are you talking about? I see all these moms on all these other groups and they're like, we just came back from this, you know, wonderful trip in Thailand. And, and so I guess that's one fear that, and, and so it's like, how do you know which countries to go to, which ones are safe and all that? Like, is there a website for that or did you have to like... Um, just research, but honestly, like every, um, I mean, there's, there's kids in every country. So yeah. essentially every country is kid friendly, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to change your perspective, I, I suppose. Some are maybe more difficult to our Western upbringing, mm-hmm. but you know, you just kind of have to, to modify a little bit, Okay. but we didn't, we, we didn't forge any new territory as far as the countries we went to or the cities we went to. I definitely did research in some of the ones that for me too, was like, I asked Annie about China. Like there are some that just felt intimidating to yeah. me, but once we were on the ground, it really, it wasn't, it wasn't intimidating. Now, granted, my husband was still with me. So we were together for a lot of it. Right. If I went solo, I probably would have been, you know, would have been a little bit of a different trip. Okay. But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of them use public transportation. Our kids were four, six, and eight when we left. So they could respond and, you know, kind of take care of themselves a little bit. But I do know people who travel with like 18-month-olds and do it successfully. Wow. So I know. That's crazy. <laughs> I think it's just your personal, your personal, um, bandwidth, you know, as far as like what you can take in, you know, as a parent. But I think also it's an awesome opportunity to push those boundaries and see how successful it can be because people, like you've said, have done it before and have had a great time. So sometimes we just have to soften those borders in our minds, you know, to be able to push those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. 
want to go back real quick to something you said, which was you planned your trip based on following the sun so that you could, it would help with packing. So I have to imagine with three kids, four, six, and eight, were you like, do you have like giant suitcases that you were checking from place to place? Or, you know, how did you manage all of your stuff and their stuff and the different countries that you were going to? That seems like so much to think about. I know packing is like the worst part of trips, isn't it? <laughs> I find I think it's the worst part. Um, we just each had a backpack. And so we were very minimalistic. Like, you know, you get three pairs of shorts and one jeans and five underwears and two pairs of PJs, short and long. I mean, we definitely pared it down. Um, my husband did have a larger backpack that he carried a lot of medicine in and other things that we thought were going to be important in the first half of our trip, because again, we were going to places that we weren't familiar with, mm-hmm. or maybe didn't have the same Western feel that we were used to. So he, his pack, we checked, but everything else we carry, it was carry on. And then and- we, for the kids, they would grow out of stuff. Like we brought jackets to China cause it was, it was chilly when we went left in October and then we ditched them because we went to Thailand and Bali and we didn't have to pick up anything again until like South Africa because we were jumping into Europe a little early and it was like a wet spring. So we got some more long sleeve stuff there before heading. So a lot of times we would pick stuff up for them. But for my husband and I, we pretty much just used the same stuff over and over again until it had holes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the story that a lot of people forget is that they, they feel like they have to bring everything with them. Yeah. And that yeah. how could I possibly buy a shirt when I'm in <laughs> South Africa? You know, <laughs> like, where am I even going to go? But, I know. Like, just like I you mean, said, I- they have kids everywhere. They have stores yes. everywhere. Yeah. And diapers. Like we picked up diapers along the way. I mean, we had my middle was still wearing diapers at night. And then our youngest was there both wearing diapers at night. And then he transitioned out. So we only had one. Um, but we still had to find diapers wherever we were. So I mean, it's a little bit more expensive in Southeast Asia to get Western diapers. So you plan ahead a little bit, try to bring some more to make you last until yeah. you get to another <laughs> continent. But yeah, you just, you, it's amazing what you can find and what you make do with or get creative. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's so all yeah. about flexibility, flexibility and attitude. Yeah. <laughs> So I have, this is is my burning question, one that I always want to ask folks who are doing what you're doing, and that is around education, because Mm -hmm. education for us is so important, as is outdoor and outside time and getting that in. And so obviously, one of those is easily solvable uh, as you travel around, and the other one, not so much. And so I've looked into world schooling and looked into, you know, all these different suggestions that people have but never really had a solid answer. So how did you tackle the education piece as you move around? Absolutely. Um, So a lot of world school communities do something called unschool. And so they don't really have like a formal curriculum. It's very much like student-led for me, again, type A, I like to have structure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need a, a little thing, a little something more hearty, I think. And so we, that year we did kind of we homeschooled when we were in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and I actually just filed like an affidavit through California when we left. So even though we weren't in California, we were still under California requirements, but we had homeschooled before we left. And so we kind of had a curriculum going, and we brought some of that with us. So we did have some math, and they had a travel journal, 
And then my younger two were doing phonics. So we had some phonics materials. So it was a little bit looser than what we do now. Mm -hmm. We do have more of a very, like a, not a very structured mornings, but we do have more structure in the morning as far as school goes now. But it's amazing what they learn. I mean, honestly, their social intelligence is incredible for kids their age. My youngest could like, she saw a picture. We were in Sweden airport flying out and she looked up, she's like, oh, it's Beijing. And it was like a picture of Forbidden City which was like months ago from our trip. But she, I mean, I feel like they have better geography than we do. I mean, when you're there and learning about something, it just sticks, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm. with you. And so I feel like for them, that was huge. And then we did a lot of travel through the UK and some of the books that we're reading now are very much UK based. Like my oldest is reading, he just started a biography on Sir Isaac Newton and he's English and He lived in an area of England that we visited. So we talked about it. So a lot of their, what we call it's like relations, like science of relations or context Mm -hmm. is very much there because of their travels. Right. So it's pretty amazing. Even if you just took a year off or six months and didn't think that you were doing any formalized schooling, it's still, I mean, they're learning every day. Mm -hmm. So there is some aspect of the unschooling that is so true. But for us, we brought a few more things that were more structured that kind of helped me it's really just me feeling better about myself because they were just fine and they're just fine now. Mm-hmm. And kids have like been out for a year and jump back into like a regular setting and they're just fine. So I think a lot of us is just our own anxiety because mm-hmm. kids are learning every day. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. and if you see an area, do not, I mean, even in public school, there's areas where like, well, you could be better at math or you could be better at grammar. I mean, they're still in the public school setting and there's still, you know, there's areas that we still feel like they need to work on. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And then <laughs> what about, what about healthcare? I know that's another big piece too. Yes, that is. It really is. So we used, since my husband had taken a sabbatical that year, we used something called World Nomad and they do like multi-country healthcare. And really it's just for like, heaven forbid, if something happens and you need to be like expatriated back to the US Mm -hmm. because, you know, health insurance outside of the US is, I mean, you could pay out of pocket and it's just fine. So we use that and that was great. So anytime we had an issue, we would just submit a claim and then be reimbursed. We use something different now that's more of like a share economy mm-hmm. um, where we submit bills and then are reimbursed from other members in the health insurance. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's a different kind of structure. There's other ones too. I think Alliance is another uh, health insurance that does kind of expat kind of style. So it's out there. It's not what we would traditionally think, but again, it works and it certainly works in other countries. It's just outside of what we normally are used to. What's that shared insurance? I've never heard of this. This is crazy. I mean, Um, I'm not surprised, (laughs) (laughs) but what? That sounds crazy. Somebody else is paying Um, your healthcare bills. I need to get on those. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, because my husband is a freelance contractor right now. So we use it right now. It's called Samaritan's Ministry. It's a Christian one, but I think there's ones that are not Christian out there. But yeah, I forget what, I know there is like more of a, you know. I think I've heard of something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, we pay like, uh, I think it's like $300 a month for all five of us. And then if something happens and we submit a bill, and we pay like a very small percentage. Like my my son had to go to the hospital back in August when we were in Georgia. And it was, you know, I think the hospital bill was like 1700 for that, you know, for self-pay. And then we'll pay everything but $400. Everyone else will pay the remaining amount. So you just, it's kind of like a collective, you put it in a pot 
and then they figure it out and then people will pay. So it's not technically health insurance, but it's like you're sharing the burden. It's mm. basically what health insurance used to be before yeah. it is. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's interesting. I've never heard of anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. It's we we've had a really great experience with it so far. So okay. we know a lot of other families that use it that live in California and they use it. So we'll get back to our conversation with Jess in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now... Back to our chat with Jess Swenson. I kind of wanted to dig into the big part of this, which I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to, and I'm just curious about is how are you funding all of this? I mean, you mentioned, you know, like obviously some, at some point, you know, somebody's going to have to go back to work, but if, you know, as much as you're willing to share, I think there would be a lot of people who are curious about how you're funding it you know, did you have a huge savings like stacked up that you were very comfortable to leave? And, you know, if someone was thinking about doing this, like, how would they go about it? Like from, okay, this sounds like a good idea to like making it a reality. What do they need to be prepared for money-wise? Absolutely. So what we tried to do is, well, number one, uh, surprise or not, to travel the world is actually cheaper to live in the Bay than live in your area. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> so we tried to essentially eliminate all of our expenses of living in the Bay Area and transition those to paying for transportation, museum entrance, flights, hotel accommodations, etc. So we ended up renting partly through and then selling <laughs> um, because that just gave us a, a bigger nugget to work with. Um, we did have some in savings. We did have some inheritance from William's mom's passing. And then he also had like a package from, from his um, company. So we just, it was really a hodgepodge 
when we left and then we got rid of a whole bunch of things. So we didn't have like storage cost or we sold a vehicle. So we didn't have to worry about that. So essentially wow. we tried to negate every, yeah, we just oh slashed. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm going down the checklist. I'm like, okay, sell car, get rid of things, <laughs> savings, inheritance, get rid of your house. I'm like, I'm watching, I'm like watching my whole life, like fly out the window. Yeah. How, yeah, pretty much. Right. How do you gain um, that confidence? Like, oh my gosh, like, how do you, where does um, that come from? Because I would be like there's some, there's a sense of peace, right? Like yeah. having home base, um, you know, yeah. knowing that your car is here, that you have yeah. a roof to come home to, you know, I know. I, 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 I mean, how do you get to that point <laughs> of like feeling comfortable or was it the things that had mm-hmm. happened leading up to that point yeah. that was like, none of this, the car, the house, like none of that even matters. And it's really like the power of the experiences that matter. Yeah. And I think just realizing you can, you can do with a lot less, like, I don't know if it's bare or what, but you just kind of get in this rat race where you're like, yeah, two cars. I mean, that's standard and so much square feet, so standard and private school and, you know, all these things like a full closet. I mean, it just, it becomes like, we can't have experiences. So I'm just going to spend my money on all this other stuff that makes me feel good. So I think it was just a mind shift change of like, we're working to the bone to be able to keep our stuff and maintain our stuff yeah. is really mm-hmm. what happened. And it's funny. Cause like hindsight now I'm like, we loved our house where we were living in Livermore, but it was just so much square footage and the the yard was manicured and with the drought, I mean, it just, it was a headache and we wanted to go out on the weekend, but then we had to maintain these things. And I, we were living in a townhouse before that. And I'm like, honestly, I should have been content with the townhouse. Like we could have totally made it work, but I just, you know, we had this idea of having, you know, that was the next stage and that's just what you do. And it's funny, we have met now a family in Denver and they kind of, did, they didn't leave or anything, but they had the same experience. Like we had something small that we loved, but it felt tight and then we got something big and it just was too big and mm-hmm. too much. And, and now we've, and then they, they've downsized since then because mm-hmm. they just learned that they didn't need all that space. So I think, it, yeah, it was a mind shift change. We did rent our house out because I wasn't ready to cut the tie. Kind of like you, like I still wanted to have like a leg dipped into the Bay Area because mm-hmm. it did feel like too much to, to push that. But I know a lot of people who do leave and sell their house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I that was that was a little too hard for me to, to make that jump, to make that jump. So again, we still had stuff. You know, we we shared stuff. My parents still live there, so we had stuff, some stuff in our attic of our house. Like we we made it so essentially we could come back, but then halfway through, we just it was a shift in a major shift in like you know if we do come back, I think I'd be happy with the townhouse that's walking distance from Main Street as opposed to being you know a little farther in the burbs with a. 2000 plus square footage house. <laughs> so are you guys, did you guys make any investments like, or are you yes, purely yeah. living off of state? Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. So when we sold the house and we put it into, um, the, the equity, what little we have, you know, I mean, if there was a bubble during that season, so what we had paid versus what we got was, uh, you know, it was a good ch- chunk of change. So we put that into investments. And so we're, we're kind of building that up. Also, we have pretty much, so once we got to Europe, we just house sat. So we cut out our accommodation expenses, Mm -hmm. which outside of flights tends to be 
the most. So we were living, like we sat house sat in Finland for a month and our expenses for that whole month was $800. Um, so we've stretched our dollar Mm -hmm. and then also, you know, we have some in, um, and savings and, and well, we pretty much used up our, all of our savings that year, but we did have some in, in our stocks. <laughs> so when we could come back and then my husband started working when we got back. So, um, and then we house sat for six months in Arizona. So we, the pairing of the house sitting and kind of, you know, stretching the dollar as far as accommodations go and having a little bit in the stock market and then my husband working again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, Okay. I can't hear that all together. Yeah. I'm still trying to get over the $800 for a whole month in Finland, which is not that cheap of a place to be in. And I'm thinking of our credit card bills and our mortgage (laughs) and like thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm like $800. (laughs) That's crazy. You think like when you travel, you have to spend more than what you do at home, but it's not the case. Yeah. So we kind of found an alternative way to travel to be sustainable. And then our like happy place now is like if 3000 to $4,000, because we're still in the US. So it's still pretty expensive, but most families can happily live around that. For us, we're do we're pretty much doing house sit to house sit. Now we may have like a week or two where we can, you know, have a Airbnb, but most of the time our accommodations are taken care of. We're, we are in the U.S., so we do have, like, we still have vehicle registration and insurance. But yeah, I mean, we, we are living a lot less. Than yeah. Mentioned. And what I, what I love, love, love about the way that you're traveling is, you know, here on Investing for Good, we're always talking about how, you know, you put your money to work for you and your family, but it's also out there. It also, you have the opportunity to have your money go to work in bettering the world. So what you guys are doing with traveling, you know, it's not just about creating experiences for your family, but I love that you're also contributing to these communities and to these homeowners Mm -hmm. who otherwise, you know, if you have goats and sheep and chickens, you might not be able to travel yeah. as much as you want. And so you are really stepping in to help them to create those experiences in their lives as well, yeah. which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely see it as an act of service and being able to treat it. I mean, all the time we're talking to our kids about like, is this, you know, are we we're serving the homeowners? We're helping them and you know, this is a, a way to show kindness and love and ministry. And so we've been able to be able to do that. And that's been encouraging. And then they have chores and they have responsibilities in each house. It does change, but they kind of get a good cross section of life and how to be, you know, responsible in it. So I'm curious, do you guys have a setup where you get time away from the kids? Because last, <laughs> because last summer, so this is as far as I got on my journey to a year around the world, is I spent two months in Hawaii with my kids and I nearly went crazy. I mean, I, I because I did no summer school, I thought I was going to homeschool them. And, you know, we yeah. ended up being so busy in our business that I could not homeschool them for like even two minutes. Um, but I... I went bananas. I, and so I put a rule now, no more. They're doing summer camp, winter camp, every kind of camp. Like I cannot stay home with them for more than a day or two at a time. So how do you deal with that? Like, cause I have three kids too, and mine are pretty yeah. much the same ages. They're seven, six, and four. Yeah. And so, um, how, how do you handle that piece of it where you never really get time away? 
Great question. <laughs> um, and I think that is one component, like especially when we see in like the world school community, a lot of people who make the transition are making from public school to them being with their kids 24 yeah. seven. And it is a rush, rough, rough transition. We are thankful that we did homeschool before we left. So we were used to being around them all the yeah. time, or at least I was. My, my husband did have like somewhat of a transition because he was gone. Like he worked like 40 to 60 hours. So he, I feel like had a, a transition, but, um, we are, again, we are not hotel dwellers. We actually, we spent a, ho- a week in Denver in a hotel and I'm like, we are just not, we are not the hotel people, but we're in neighborhoods and we're in communities. And, um, so there's children everywhere. So there are summer camps everywhere. We put our kids in a summer camp in the okay. UK for two weeks and we did day dates yeah. and we explored more of the UK coast. Um, so the house sitters that the homeowners that we house at for had kids and they're like, here's some pamphlets. If you're interested, they call them holiday camps. So, like, yes, we are. <laughs> um, so you, you would be surprised if you looked for opportunities, you could find them all over the world. Okay. And so we do that. Um, when we are in Arizona, I put them in summer camps. I put them in spring break camp. I am definitely not above doing that for, okay. you know, available. Yeah. So because we live in a lifestyle that's more communal, mm-hmm. um, when we travel, we're able to kind of tap into more experiences that are local. So we usually go to libraries. We usually go to church wherever we are. So actually tonight, my oldest, we discovered the church that we went to. They have like a middle school thing on Wednesday night. So he's going to go today from seven to eight thirty and hang out with some really rural local middle school. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, because we try to be in somewhere a little longer, we try to entrench ourselves in the community okay. and meet people and find out where we can drop off kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I need to get oh, on this plan. I, <laughs> no. I can't even begin to imagine, you know, I, I think back to when I wrote my college essays and like trying to think of like really cool experiences that I had to write yeah. about. And I can't yeah. even imagine down the road if, you know, if and when your kids do apply for college or they write their, you know, essays, essays in essays, high yeah. school or, or whatever it is to, to have all of these yeah. cool really cool experiences and this way of life Mm -hmm. really to reflect on. So I'm, I mean, who knows what they're taking away from it day to day and how it'll impact their lives, but what are you hoping that they will take away from all of this? And how are you hoping that it will impact their lives down the road? Well, I hope that even at the end of this, they'll still love to travel because you know how sometimes you do the opposite right. of like right. how, you, how you grew up. I mean, I'm sure one of the three will just like stay put in one location right. and like never leave. I mean, I'm, they're they're of their own mind, so they can decide. So I hope at the end they'll still enjoy traveling. You know, not try to be contrarian. Um, just understanding that there is a global economy, that there's people living in totally different ways and, you know, wake up to totally different sceneries and experiences and languages. Yeah. I think for them that knowing that there's other people and other time, I mean, even like the concept of time zone, you know, all of these things, I think just their social, their social intelligence and awareness, I think, and then also just to, to love people of all, of all walks, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that there's some compassion and just understanding of people who have it differently than them. Yeah. So exciting. Well, shall we move into our last part of the show? Let's do it. 
All right. So this is the good egg or not the good egg, the investing for good (laughs) impact round. Sorry, excuse me. I'm getting confused what business I'm working in. Okay. So the first (laughs) question is investing in yourself. So I think we talked a lot about this, obviously, but what is one way that your investments are helping you and your family to live a better life? Yeah, right now I they're in sitting in the stock market and we I'm still trying to learn kind of understanding stock market and trading and all of this. So my dad got me like a investing for dummies book <laughs> for Christmas and I'm working on reading through that and understanding that by trade he's an accountant but he does do financial planning and so we've I feel like I have a little leg up cuz he is educated in that and does that for our business but I have just totally bypassed sitting under him and being an apprentice. So that's kind of my goal this year is really to help learn that and be able to take that on and then kind of leave a legacy for our kids to be able to be wise in that. Because we don't have a home base right now, we don't have those expenses, but eventually we would like to kind of settle down and maybe travel maybe three to six months out of the Mm -hmm. year as opposed to full time. Mm -hmm. So knowing that that's coming and anticipating that, trying to figure out best, you know, how to, to work all of these components but right now it's helpful, you know, if we have expenses that are outside of our monthly budget, we can kind of pull from that if need be mm-hmm. to kind of bridge the gap, but it's also accumulating in its own. So it's making money for us without us doing anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, trying to kind of, you know, work those angles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if you don't already have it, we'll have to send you a copy of our Investing for Good book so you can read it alongside the Investing yes, for Dummies book. <laughs> Yeah. And we also did another episode, Annie, who was that with? I'm with um, Adam Fortuna. Yes. Yeah. That might be a good one for you to check out because he talks about his stocks and how he has been able to um, leverage his stocks to create passive income. So yeah. 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 We're working towards that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Second question is investing in others. So what is one could be a lifestyle hack or investment hack that you might be able to share with our audience that you think would help them, you know, along their investing journey and or maybe help them get to where you're trying to go, you know, something that maybe is, you know, hard to find buried in books that you wish you knew ahead of time. Hmm. That's a great question. Well, uh so I we started kind of dabbling in when we were in the Phoenix area cuz invest in real estate is so cheap there compared to the area. Uh-huh. Um, but I learned about like, um, I think we, Annie, you've talked about it before about the, like the housing hack about having something small, but also something else that you can rent out or having a room in Airbnb that you can rent out. Yeah. I know it's harder in the Bay area because it's just so expensive as far as housing goes. But I think once you look outside of that, there are so many opportunities for investing that I didn't realize because I was stuck in the Bay Area bubble that you could invest somewhere else that maybe you don't live in or how you guys do it, being able to be a in part of an investment without the maintenance of it. That was helpful. And then also looking at ways for being able to get extra income residually or online has been huge. We were looking into that a lot heavily. I know a lot of moms who do um, tutoring for uh, Chinese kids online Mm -hmm. and just kind of use that because they work Chinese hours. So you can do it at home. So there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of have like a side hustle Mm -hmm. um, that helps bring or generate more income. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I knew, um, I heard about someone talking about that in the Phoenix or somewhere in Arizona from Bigger Pockets, and he was basically preaching this idea of 
buying a home that had like a small cottage somewhere in yes. the backyard or something that you would then like Airbnb or do a STR mm-hmm. short term rental on yes. um, to help offset your uh, mortgage payments. And so, which the, the in law suites in Phoenix are huge. Yeah. Like it's very common to see property with and like an in law suite. Yeah. I guess, you know, the snowbirds end up down there. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that for a quick minute and then I was like, yeah, no, I'm not moving to Phoenix. (laughs) I don't know. We did too. And we we ended up not buying. So yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Last question. How are your investments helping to make the world a better place? I think we already answered that one, but I'll throw it back at you one more time. Yeah. I think we, just the way that we live and the lifestyle that we live, very much entrenched in community. We kind of feel like we have the best of both worlds. We do get to slow travel and move around and see things, but we also try to invest in local communities and partake with with them and also serving homeowners where we're at. So we definitely try to live below our means, Mm -hmm. which we're able to do in this lifestyle. And then also help just return investment by by serving and being available. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And getting on podcasts like this and sharing the knowledge <laughs> is another way because, you know, there's obviously a lot of people who are going to take away a lot from this, as will I. Um, and I will, I'm going to start planning. So I don't yes. know when it's going to yes, happen. Yes, all the Bay Area homeowners, yeah. go ahead and jump on. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we love to visit my parents, but it's always nice to have your own place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Well, Jess, you are such an inspiration. And I know that um, our listeners are going to want to learn more. So what's the best place that they can go to learn more about you or connect with you? Yes, we're on Instagram um, with the um, ID Let's Adventure More. We do have a website. It's purse. It's getting up there, you know, trying to do some blog posts. Um, but there's also a link with our email. And I love to talk about this stuff. A lot of people have come and emailed us and asked specific questions. And I'm always happy to share um, and respond to them to the best of my ability and to encourage them. Because it is a specific walk. Like, you know, the, the podcast of the family that I heard and how they did it totally didn't apply to us. But it inspired me to yeah. look at our own life mm-hmm. and figure out how to make it work for us. Right. And so I love to do that with other families, knowing that they have their own specific needs and their own specific situations but try to give them enough information to for them to do research and kind of inner thinking and dialoguing to figure out how it works for them. Yeah, you mm-hmm. should be a consultant. Like start a business out of this. I would totally pay you. Sit down with me and let's talk about this. Like help me plan it out because- A sounding board? Yeah. It, yeah, it can be so daunting. Like I don't even know where to start and it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it's just one of those things that just feels so overwhelming that I, I'm sure how a lot of people- who come to us at Good Egg feel the same way where yeah. they just feel like, oh my gosh, this is, I don't even know where to start. And really that's what we're there for. But, um, but yeah, you yeah. should totally think about doing consulting <laughs> business. I would totally pay you. It's <laughs> funny you say that. Cause I wish that there was somebody for me to do a sounding board before we left. Cause yeah. a lot of the same like hesitations and nervousness and, like, yes. and anxiety. Yes. And- or just can I just like verbally bleh, like yes. so you can tell you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. throw up a website I'll come I'll be your first client <laughs> there we go 
<laughs> All right. All right. Well, there you have it. Jess Swenson, professional photographer and creator of Let's Adventure More. Jess, thank you so much for sharing all your infinite wisdom and your really cool experiences with us today. We can't wait to hear where you go next. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on and letting me share. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Absolutely. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast, and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.